It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Hi, my name is Janelle Heaston and I'm Brett's wife. It's been a while since I last did a podcast and today I have the privilege to host a very special interview. Rose Wittenmeyer is a personal friend and also the founder of Memorized by the Book and she brings such a fresh perspective on the topic of scripture memorization, both historically and the significance of it today. Let's get started, Rose. Welcome. Yay, thank you for having me. Yeah, this is such a pleasure and Brett and I are so thankful for your time today. Um, inspiring us on the topic. So thank you. So before we dive right into the history of memorization in ancient days, let's briefly talk just a little bit about why we even memorize today, Rose. So with today's advancement with technology, where we have Alexa read the Bible to you at just the, the voice command, and every version of the Bible is accessible at the push of a button, um, why, why is memorizing so important? Yeah, I think the short answer would be because you can't really win a battle if your sword's in the back of your closet in a glass case. And I think, unfortunately, sometimes that's kind of what we do with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Because we are in a battle, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the principalities and the powers of this dark world. And so many times, as believers, it almost feels like we go to church on Sunday, we, we look at the Bible, we maybe study the Bible, maybe we even spend you know, an hour in the morning with God, but then sometimes when trials hit or temptations hit, or we just are in a very difficult, struggling time. Why does God allow evil in the world? Depression, especially in these you know, challenging COVID times, we don't have the scripture right there. And so what Bible memorization is, is it takes the sword out of that glass case and it straps it to your hilt. And so when trial comes, when you have those questions, you have the word of God right there. Sometimes you can have a spiritual battle in your mind, like you're just driving the car and you're just having this spiritual battle in your mind and it's difficult to, I don't know, reach over to your phone, unlock it, pull up the scripture and by that time, sometimes the battle is already lost. Or even if you're in a conversation with someone and you have your Bible but then you've got to pull it out and, you know, have it on your phone, it's just a lot better and more powerful if you have the scripture right there at the tip of your tongue and it's like oh my goodness you have the sword of the spirit there you have everything that the god of the universe said we needed to know about life at your fingertips and it's sitting in your back room it's in your closet or on an app on your phone at your direst point of need it's almost like sometimes believers try to fight with a toothpick they're like let's go you know to the psychologist let's think good thoughts and of course that absolutely would be helpful in a war but I think a sword would be absolutely more beneficial and it's like you have the sword of the spirit right there. You have God's word. You have everything that the God of the universe said we needed to know about life at your fingertips. And it's sitting in your back room. It's in your closet. It's on an app on your phone when you need it right there in your mind to fight against spiritual warfare. Yeah. No, that's really... So to break it down in like really simple terms... Because I, I love, like, since we homeschool our five kids, I, I always think about applying it to real life, you know. And what you're telling me is memorization has a lot to do with getting it in you. It's like memorizing your multiplication tables, for instance. Who wants to go to a calculator every time they need to know what 9 times 9 is? Instead, it's in your memory and you already automatically know it. Not saying the word is like memorization for multiplication, but it's similar in the sense of might as well be in you so you can live it in the moment that you're needing it versus having to pull out a Bible when you're trying to reference something when you need it. So is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, and I think it's also interesting. There's just so many examples. Like I can only imagine being a Waldensian child in the 12th century of France who they, their crime was, their, the quote is, their crowning offense was their love and zeal for scripture. And so they had to flee to the valleys and hide in caves because they had scripture. And, but the interesting thing about them is when their scripture was taken away, they had allocated family by family. All right, between your children, you memorize Genesis. Between your children, you memorize Exodus. So when their scripture was taken away, they could all come together 
and recite and write down scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And that scripture that they preserved actually gave us the scripture going into the Reformation. And so that's just one example of they, they had the scripture with them. There was no person or circumstance that could take the word of God away from them. They were always prepared. Just so many other examples, maybe a, a war example, um, there was a, a, another person, a kid who joined the military and one day he found himself bailing out of an airplane over North Korea. He was ended up being in solitary confinement for five years and his Bible was gone. His whole, he says that his whole life held on the few verses and kid songs he memorized from the 18 years of Sunday school. And he wished more than anything that he had memorized more. Or even a more life applicable verse. There's a woman I was talking to, she's, you know, going through cancer and she just had um, a CAT scan. And if you've been in those, you know, they're kind of claustrophobic and you can't take a Bible in there. Um, but she, you know, was feeling a little claustrophobic and she was just reciting James chapter one and James chapter two over and over and she and God were just having a good time. And so even though she couldn't have her Bible there, she couldn't just pull it out on her phone. She couldn't, you know, she could maybe, you know, reference some things that she thought scripture was about, but having it actually memorized God's inspired word and you being able to do that, nothing, no circumstance, no person can take that away. Wow, thank you. No, that that's inspiring. I think we just stopped there and we'd be done, but we're not going to <laughs> because now we need to talk about historically, like what are some of the examples historically back in ancient days of memorization? Obviously, they didn't have what we have today, but what, how can we be inspired by historical examples of the way they used uh, memorization as a powerful tool in their everyday life? Yeah, so it's really interesting to study just looking at how memorization played into their everyday life. From the time children first learned how to talk in that like two, three, four-year-old, they would teach them this verse, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit. Talk about them when you're walking on the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And so that's almost the foundation that they're teaching from the very beginning that lays the foundation for all of their education in knowing God. It's loving the Lord your God with all your heart and memorize scripture. Know God's word. Know God through his word. So as they grew up, then they would learn the Shema and the Halal, which are um, selections from Deuteronomy, Numbers, and Psalms. And it was common for people to go on to memorizing the whole Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, and then some people would go on to memorize the entire Law of the Prophets. And it's interesting for some of those, um, those gifted men that were very good at memorizing scripture, they actually had a position called Tenoch for young men who had memorized the entire Law and the Prophets, and they would be in the back of kind of a classroom setting, and they would basically be the living Bible series. So they would say, all right, please recite for us the part where Jeremiah did this. And since it was such an oral tradition and written word was so rare, they just had that. So that was kind of an interesting um, position that they had, and it just shows that that culture was so founded in scripture and so based in God's law and had such a passion to preserve God's word and his holiness. And they valued it, right? They put a high value. It was just part of their everyday life, but that was part of their everyday life, every moment, right? Mm -hmm. From the time they woke up to the time they went to bed, the word was just a part of their everyday life. So something I think is important to know is that the Torah was not just in every household. Is that correct? Oh, like the yeah, written, that yeah, written, the written yeah. Torah was absolutely not available yeah. to everyone. You don't, like here in American culture, you can have, I have 10 Bibles on my shelf. Whereas that was not the case. They were very costly. They were very expensive. And so only very few people would have access to actually a written Torah. Well, that's really, really fascinating. So it would be very typical for a kid who's 10 to already have pretty much the whole Torah memorized. Absolutely, yes. And that was normal. Yep. Yeah. Where in our society today, that would be far from normal. That would be. A kid yes. would have a whole movie memorized, possibly, mm -hmm. or a video game. Um, what happens in a video game, the details, but very rare would they have the whole Torah or something equivalent memorized. 
mm-hmm. by the age of 10. So that's that that in itself is a very big contrast to historical, ancient, um, standard, normal way of life versus the way we are today. And it's amazing just to see what kind of kids that produces. When you have kids where it's normal to memorize the Torah, how just their understanding and knowledge of God and the relationship with Christ that so many of them had is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, so let's talk about that because all through the Bible, we read about these mighty warriors that are young, already doing amazing things. And I think sometimes we can look at them as superhuman, like they had some superhuman quality about them, but they were just normal. They had the nature of a human, just like you and I. There's nothing spectacular about them from the sense of the way God created them. So what made them, in your opinion, Rose, um, do what they did? Yeah, so I think one really great example is Daniel. We're not, we don't know exactly his age, but it would be very likely that he was um, taken by the Babylonians somewhere between the age of 13 and 16. And if you think about it, it's this young kid. He's taken away from all accountability, all responsibility, and taken into this palace in like Babylonian indoctrination into paganism. They're given every luxury. They're given training to be rulers. They're given, you know, countless parties. They're given the best education. Basically, every teenage kid's dream. But yet, Daniel, he had such a firm knowledge of Scripture. He knew the Torah. He knew God's law. And so when they told him to change his name, he's like, no, no fight. That's okay. Yep, I can do that. The Bible says there's nothing in the Bible that goes against that. And when they're like, hey, let's go to a Babylonian school. No fight. You just did it. But then when it said eat defiling food, he knew that that's exactly where the Bible drew the line and he did not defile himself. And like, there was no, oh, wait, oh, oh what, what does the Bible say? What does it think? Oh, well, maybe in this instance, in this, no. He knew scripture so well that he could draw the line right where scripture drew the line. And that gave him a very powerful testimony and he was respectful. And he, he just knew scripture so well to the degree that he could be a man of conviction and just make a huge impact and be second in command of the empire at what you know such a young age probably likely still a teenager yeah and he and just a couple of his friends yeah that's such a great example and i i think often we look at him and think you know like i mentioned before that he's superhero but no he was just a kid and he was young and he was actually foreigner you know taken out of what he was used to it brought into a land that had all these different you know rules and regulations but yet he knew the word so well that he didn't have to even ask mm-hmm. or get clarification he knew it um, but how did that end for him how did that end up for daniel like t- with him knowing the word how did that play out um, because he wasn't just a private um, person in his faith like how Tell us a little bit about how that ended for him in regards to living out his faith and knowing the word. So as many know, just the story of Daniel and then Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego and the lion's den and everything all the way up until he was so old, he kept being faithful to Christ. And the interesting thing about Daniel is empire after empire, nation after nation, he was still in that high upper ranks. Usually when you flip to a new nation, they get rid of all of that. But there was something about Daniel that was so appealing and so wise and so kind and humble that he stayed throughout every new kingdom. And so his just he just sat there and he followed God and he prayed God and he was firm in his convictions and it ended up really well for him. Wow, yeah, thank you for sharing that. That is um, really a great example of living out um, the word and being a living testimony. Um, Any other kids that you can think of? Yeah, so then there's Josiah. He was king at eight years old, and the great thing that was said about um, him is before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might according to the law of Moses, nor did any arise after him. And that is quite the compliment in the row of kings there. And when he found the law, oh my goodness, his response to the word, first it was of oh my goodness, he tore his clothes and then they had a big let's burn all the idols party. And just that response to scripture, his love, his passion um, for not just knowing scripture, but also obeying it and acting on it and doing what scripture says. Yeah. So And then, then Ezra, the Levites, they read it aloud day after day from daybreak until noon and all the people listened attentively 
like it's not that oh sleeping through an hour long sermon it's like oh my goodness they were up they were attentive for that entire amount of time because they were hungry for the word of god wow yeah to live in that time that would have been fascinating to see an eight-year-old changing the course of history right mm -hmm. yeah he was 26 when he you know found the yeah law, yeah being that young. young and yeah. loving christ even in that very non-god honoring culture yeah Wow. So let's just fast forward then um, to the example of Jesus. What are some assumptions we can make based off of what we know about when Jesus was found in the temple when he was 12, um, as it mentions in Luke um, 2? Yeah, that's actually a very interesting thing to look into because a lot of people are like, oh, well, he had it easy. You know, he, he was God. He was tapping into his God powers. He didn't need to, you know, memorize scripture like we did. But there's the verse that says he grew in wisdom and in stature with God and men. And so it's like, wait, God grew in wisdom, but he's already all wise. And so it shows that God, it's interesting because God actually put aside some of his attributes of divinity and humbled himself to be a baby. He learned how to talk, even though he invented the mechanism of talk. And he learned how to walk, even though he invented the ground that he's walking on. And then the same way, he had to memorize and learn scripture in the same way that just we as normal sinful humans did. And so then when you find him just reciting scripture in the temple and talking to all these um, you know chief leaders it just shows that he is so he's he just like the rest of us he humbled himself and it's actually he quoted the Word of God 78 times in the New Testament and then in Acts more than 40 times where the did the Apostles quote scripture as well so and is it and then of course then after that when he gets a little bit older and he's tempted in the wilderness that classic example mm -hmm of he was at his weakest moment. It was, it's interesting, scientists and psychologists know that when your blood sugar drops, you're most likely to succumb to temptation. And so if you haven't eaten for 40 days, you are in a very volatile state. And yet what did Christ pull out? He pulled out scripture, man does not live by bread alone. And that's what made him strong and resist temptation. He, he didn't have to pull out his Bible. He didn't have to, I don't know, they didn't you know, have those as readily available, but he had it right there. Wow. Yeah. So even Jesus himself lived out the power and the fruitfulness of having the word. And here, here was a boy as young as 12 who was just am amazing. Like he, he could converse with these rabbis mm -hmm. and, and for, you know, he did that for days. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't know how many 12 year olds today could even carry on a 10-minute conversation, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's a great example. Okay, so Rose, let's talk now about the benefit of memorization. Uh, we talked about the significance of scripture memorization in ancient times. We talked about some examples of kids doing mighty things, um, and even Jesus himself, and how he was a lover of the word. But let's talk now about why. Why should we actually benefit from memorization? Just help us understand that. Because I think we're all sitting here, often we feel it as a, a really long, tedious, painful thing. So what is our benefit of actually memorizing scripture? Break that out don't for us. Yeah, well, there's absolutely a whole bunch of benefits. And I just have here just kind of a super crash course list of some of the things that are very helpful in the scripture showing what scripture does because I think that's the interesting thing about scripture is the sword of the spirit is the word of God and so many places in scripture the scripture is what works in us as believers scripture is the thing that changes us that motivates us that makes us the people who God designed us to be and so there's a lot of ways that the scripture works in us and so here I just have like so I just have a clear list here of some things of how scripture works in us and the benefit that has. So first of all, it saves us. First Peter 1.23, you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. Also in James, he brought us, for, he brought us forth by his word. <laughs> also James 1.18, he brought us forth by the word of truth. It blesses us, Luke 11.28. Blessed is the one who hears the word of God and obeys it. Um, the word teaches us all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for teaching. It's profitable for reproving. It's profitable for correction. It trains us in righteousness. It perfects us and equips us that the man of God may be perfectly equipped and ready for every good work. It guides us. Um, Psalm 119, the word is the lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. It counsels us. 
um, Psalm 119.24. Thy testimonies also are my delight. They are my counselors. It revives us. Revive me according to thy word. It makes us fruitful. Psalm 119.154. Um, Colossians 1. The word of truth which has come to you is constantly bearing fruit. It grows us up. First Peter says, we long for the pure spiritual milk of the, world, of the word whereby we grow. It warns us, Psalm 1911, by the word thy servant is warned. It rewards us. In keeping them, there is a great reward. It judges us, Hebrews 4.12. It, referring to scripture, pierces as far as the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It sanctifies us. John 17, Jesus prayed that marvelous prayer, sanctify them by thy truth, thy word is truth. It purges us, John 15, we are cleansed by the word. It frees us, the truth shall set you free. It enriches us, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you, leading to all wisdom, teaching, admonishment in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and thanksgiving to Christ. It gives us joy, John writes these things, I write that your joy may be complete. First John 1, 4, it protects us, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It strengthens us. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to thy word. Psalm 119.28. It makes us wise. Psalm 119.97-100. Oh, how I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day. Thy commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged because I observe thy precepts. It prospers us. Psalm 1, the man who is in the word will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Joshua 1, 8 and 9, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate it on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And it gives us hope. Psalm 119, 147, I have hope in thy word. And that's certainly not an exhaustive list, but it really gives you a, just a feeling for just all, there's so much scripture that talks about the word and all the benefits of the word and how we can draw so much closer to Christ and know the heart of Christ through memorization of his word. Yeah, wow. That's really powerful. Like, when you think about all the benefits that are there, it's kind of hard to deny the fact that there is so much richness and blessing available if we choose to memorize mm -hmm. and get into the word and let the word become part of us just like they did back in the ancient days and it, it seems to me like it's almost like um, showing up on Christmas morning and you see all these presents under a tree but not opening up any of them and just letting them be and then yeah. throwing them away when Christmas is over and just moving on it's almost like that to me in a way where you just you can be ignorant of the, the amazing gift that God has given us mm -hmm. in his word. And we either can memorize and be a part of the, the process of growing in that or um, just keep, you know, living life with, without it, right? It's amazing all the, all the things we have in Christ and in his word, just the freedoms we have and the gifts that he's given us and a lot of the time we don't know that unless we really study the word yeah. and memorize it and are meditating on it and we're like oh my goodness whoa i i have that at my disposal like yeah. i i have that power through christ like i didn't know that yeah it almost makes your default always god yeah the more you realize that he really is truly the answer for every single problem that we have and face every single issue because all the list of scripture that you just um, listed pretty much covers everything counsel help you know um, it saves us it warns us it, it judges it, it convicts like that that's all-encompassing mm -hmm. doesn't leave anything out so thank you thank you for sharing that that's very very inspirational um, so what's the Bible say about scripture memorization you just talked about the benefit for us and all the benefits that are there, all those presents waiting to be unwrapped that we can either choose to unwrap them or not. But what what's the Bible say about scripture memorization? Because those are two separate things. What we choose to benefit from that is already there, whether we take it or not. But what's the Bible now actually say about Bible and scripture memorization. Just share a little bit on that. Yeah, this was actually a really fun one because I just went through scripture and just flagged every time they're quoting scripture and reciting scripture. And so I, 
all the scriptures seem to fall into four major categories, and even the ones listed above, and they fall into the category of strengthening faith, keeping us from sin, knowing God, and convicting of sin. And so strengthening faith was kind of a big kind of aha moment that hit me for the first time, was a lot of the time, particularly in the first couple of books, it was scripture was recited and scripture was quoted for the purpose of strengthening faith in the sense of faith is not necessarily, oh, well, there's no evidence for that, so um, I just gotta have faith and believe that it exists. That's not biblical faith. faith. Biblical faith is confidence in what you hope for and assurance in what you do not see. So that's knowing that what God said is true. What God, God is who he says he is and he's trustworthy. And so when you recount all the things that God has done in the past, it's like, oh, look what he did in Egypt. Look how he saved you here. Look how he, look what he did at Sinai. Look how he delivered you from these enemies. Now look at the situation you're in. God said that he'll deliver you. Do you have faith? Do you trust? Do you truly trust that he's going to do it again this time? And so most of the times in, especially at the beginning, were these promises that God made and recounting history showing to strengthen their faith that in this situation, if you truly believe this about God, you will do this certain action. So just stop right there for a second. So you're saying that when we're in a situation in our day-to-day life, that we can actually look at the Bible and what has happened in the Bible and then use those promises and the examples that is in the Word to actually present a solution for the problem that we're in right now. Exactly, yes. And there's a lovely passage in James that talks about, that we were just memorizing, that talks about the faith of Abraham and the faith of Rahab and how Abraham, in his day-to-day life, God said, hey, sacrifice your son Isaac on the altar. And he's like, what? God promised me that I would have descendants. And man, it was hard to get this kid Isaac. Like, "Mm, I don't know that we're going to get another one. And so the fact that he had that much faith and recounting scripture, recounting knowing that God has been faithful Mm -hmm. in the past shows that he has faith then and strengthened him to be able to offer his son Isaac on the altar. And so, and if you just look at all the heroes of faith in Hebrews, it's all they believe what God said was true. Yeah, wow, that's powerful. That's a powerful tool that we can use right now in any situation if we know the word. Yes. Yeah. So then the second one is that a lot of them kind of talked about was keeping us from sin. It was interesting this kind of similarity that came together. A lot of these verses talked about very similar things. One was knowing God's law and meditating on it which would prompt us to fear God and see him as a holy God, which would make us not want to sin and would show us how we ought to teach our kids not to sin. And those kind of four things were always kind of lumped together in one same category in order less of, oh, when you sin, here's what to do about it and it's more preventing you from sinning. Because if you're bathed in God's word so much and you're meditating on it, it will just help prevent you from sinning because you just love your God so much. If we really believe in a God that we will stand before on Judgment Day and we will give an account of our life when we watch him destroy pain and sin and misery from the earth with all the horrors of revelation but giving sinners every opportunity and chance possible to repent and we see that fear and that holiness of God, we would have no higher priority than treating sin as God treats it and treating God as holy. And so it's almost like the point of that was meditating on God's word. And meditating, I don't mean sit on top of a hill with your little legs crossed going, meditating is really just whatever your mind is kind of percolating in the back of, like when I watch a good movie, for the next day my mind, I'm meditating on it. My mind is kind of running through, playing certain things, analyzing what did I like, what, you know, and that's really what meditation is. And that's what God commands us to do on scripture. And it's really difficult to really meditate on scripture and know the heart of God if we don't have it memorized. And yes, you can kind of think about concepts of you know biblical things, but if you have it memorized and you have literally word for word of God's inspired word mm-hmm. just in your head joggling around mm-hmm. 24-7, that is so powerful. So let's talk just a second about meditation because I think you really touched on something that a lot of us don't even know we hear it used, that term meditation, in a lot of different um, avenues um, in our culture today. Um, but often it's in regards to emptying yourself and getting completely empty and being in a place of just being open to everything. And true Christian meditation is the ex- exact opposite, actually. It's 
filling yourself with the Word of God and with what He says. So it's actually allowing His truths to dominate your mind. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. And then using that to fill you up. So mm -hmm. you're living His Word out in whatever challenge you're having. So it's actually great mental health. Yes. Actually, it's probably the number one mental health advice today, right? Mm -hmm. Would be meditation and memorization of the Word of God. Yes, absolutely. The Word of God, when, when that's in your mind, it's all-consuming, and it really comes out in your actions as well. Yeah. So. Wow, that's great. That's incredible. And I, I, we're certainly not doctors, but we do know that the Word says there is power in our mind being renewed. Mm -hmm. And that this is definitely, um, I don't think we could go wrong with yeah. meditating on the Word of God. So, yeah. So the next kind of category that a lot of them fit into was just knowing God and loving God so that we can effectively pray and forward his kingdom. Because a lot of the time, if we don't know scripture, we can just kind of pray and say, oh God, I, I want this, don't do this, do do this, where that's less effective. If you look at Moses' example, kind of after the whole golden cow fiasco, and he's begging, God, please give us another chance. He didn't say, God, please don't destroy us because I don't want to be destroyed. He said, God, you are a merciful God. You have told us that you are slow to anger. You are filled with mercy. So God, because that's in your character, please save us. Please give us mercy in this mm -hmm. situation. And that's a much more powerful mm -hmm. prayer than just saying, God, I don't want to be destroyed. And so, and also Hezekiah, he, when the Assyrians were coming to, you know, take, take him over, he was like, oh my goodness, I'm so outnumbered. This is hopeless. And so he didn't even say, God, please save us, please save us. So his prayer was extolling the character of God and saying, God, because this is who you are, look how these Assyrians are blaspheming your name. And just for your sake alone, to, for the name of your glory, you have heard what has been said to mock you. Please vindicate yourself. And that's a much more powerful prayer. When you know the heart of God, you know mm -hmm. who he is, and you're praying in line with his will, that will make your prayers so much more powerful and forward God's kingdom so much so much more. It's almost like if you're talking with a super, like, think your dream PhD CEO of some fancy company that would be your dream person to talk to, and if you ask them, hey, can you please help me tie my shoe? It's like, that. that's a fine thing to ask, and I'm sure they could help you with that, but God, but they could tell you so much more wisdom, and they can give you so much more than that, and it's almost sometimes when we pray, we're like, hey God, can we do this? It's like, well, he wants to bless you so much more. He wants to give you so much more. And if we're praying scripture and we know what God is and who he is, then when we pray, we have the gifts that God wants us to have. So, wow. Yes. Yeah. And then the last one, the category is conviction of sin. And this was like the one passage that I can't believe I missed before. So Deuteronomy is kind of building up to this thing. It has a bunch of blessings and cursings. And if you follow me, if you follow my commands, if you do as I will, I, you will be blessed. If you disobey me, you will be cursed. And so now this is kind of coming to the climax there of this whole kind of passage and almost the whole book. And Moses, he's talking to Moses and he says, Now therefore write this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. So basically God is commanding Moses. He's saying, Moses, write down this song, write down my words, teach it from generation to generation to generation. And after that, this song that will be in the mouths of your children will convict your nation and turn you back to Christ or turn you back to repentance. And so that word of God's, which was in a psalm passed down through generations, is what brought that nation back to repentance. And it was so interesting. And then going to Isaiah 53 and seeing almost a similar passage, except in the future, of how it's talking in the past tense of how Isaiah 53 is that passage that will in the future bring Israel to repentance and bring them to the true Christ. And so it's just so amazing that scripture can convict and scripture can bring us to repentance of Christ. And that's kind of a general principle of all repentance until scripture has brought us to the point where we realize that we are sinners and that we need salvation. Thinking about that passage, we recently were memorizing in James talking about whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. Because if you think about it, it's like if you are, if you lie, let's just take a small sin that we think, oh, it's, it's just a small sin. If you lie to your mother, like the punishment will maybe be a timeout. But then as that authority escalates, now let's say you lie to a uh, your teacher, for instance, 
and then the punishment would subsequently be more, it'd be a bigger punishment if you did an F on your test or whatever it is. And then if you do that same little sin of lying, but now you do it to a higher authority, a police officer, now the penalty is even worse. And let's say then you lie to a king. Now your head gets lopped off. And they're all just punishments, but they, as the authority escalates, so does the punishment. And so then it's good to think, whoa, how much more of an authority is God than a king? And so what would the only just punishment be for his level of holiness? And that's where hell comes in. So even if we do one small, tiny little sin like lying, we deserve hell. And God was like, oh my goodness, I love my people so much, but I am so holy. And because I'm holy, I can't just, you know, snap my fingers and go, oh, it, you know, it doesn't matter. And a lot of time we think of God, but he just, well, forgive us. But that would be like going to a just judge in a court case and say, yeah, yeah, just judge, I uh, murdered that person. <clears throat> but uh, I smile at my neighbors. I give a lot of things to uh, charity. Uh, shouldn't my good works outweigh my bad works? But no, if he's a just judge, if you have a sin or if you are a transgressor, there needs to be some sort of pen punishment. There needs to be a penalty. And that's where Jesus came in. Because you can't have another sinner or another person who's a transgressor come in and be like, oh yeah, hey, I'll pay for it. It's like, well, you have your own thing to deal with. So somehow God needed to get someone who was perfect to come in and pay the price, do this penalty for this sin that's been committed. And so who's the only person that's perfect? Who's the only person that hasn't sinned? And that's Jesus. And so God had to send his only son, Jesus, into the world so that he could pay for our sins. And, you know, I've, I've lost a mother, which is very difficult, and I can only imagine how much more difficult out of love for another person to have your child, your beloved baby, be killed by these people that you want to save. Oh my goodness, what love that is, that Jesus would do that because he just couldn't even imagine a heaven without us because he loves us so much. And so he sent Jesus down to earth. The wrath of God, all that punishment that should have been put on us for all of our sins was now put on Jesus. And so then Jesus died on the cross. But if Jesus died and stayed dead, we wouldn't know if that wrath was satisfied. We wouldn't know if the penalty was completely paid or if it was just partially paid and still being paid on Jesus. But then the fact that Jesus actually rose from the dead shows, hey, you know what? That entire thing was paid in full. Your, your punishment, your penalty, that is gone. Look, he's glorified. He's good. So now we are free. We have that freedom in Christ that now we can have, we, we can be with God in heaven because our, our sin is completely gone, it's completely washed away, and now we can be with Jesus. And if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, that's how we can be saved. And that really is what scripture is all about because he loves every single person so much and he would rather send his beloved child to die than to be in a heaven without you, without every single person on the planet. And so just, it's, it's like accepting a gift. It, you hear that a lot, oh, we received a free gift, but it's less of a free gift, marketing gift here, you can have it now. It's more like, what if for your wedding present, someone sold all of their possessions, all of their belongings to buy you your dream house and for you to give that to them as a wedding gift. Now the question is, do you say, oh no, never mind, I, I'm not gonna take it. Like, oh my goodness, they did that out of the love of their heart because they, they just loved you so much and that's what, Jesus gives the option for all of us. He sent his son to die because he loves you so much. And now it's up to us to say, God, do I humbly submit and say, yes, God, I am a sinner. I, I know I don't deserve heaven, but out of your grace, out of your love, out of your mercy, you have made a way that we can be together in heaven. Or do you just reject that and say, no, I love my sin more than you. And that's the option he gives for every single one of us. So, I, yeah, that's, that's the gospel, and that's what scripture memorization is all about, bringing us closer to the heart of Christ, and so that we can come to a saving relationship with him, and then we can just become more like him, that we can be more sanctified, and that it will strengthen our faith, it'll convict us of sin, it will help us know God better, and it will keep us from sinning. So, that's, yeah. so, so it sounds like to me that here you've presented the living Jesus. You've presented the power of the word that has been left for us, that he's given us as a gift. And you've also presented why we should memorize. And first you actually talked about 
the whole, you know, most of this has been about memorization and why we should memorize, but actually that has led us to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, So what if I just want to memorize and not have Jesus in the picture? Is that even possible? Would that even benefit me fully? Or am I just leaving benefits on the table if I just leave Jesus out of it and want to memorize the Bible for the sake of becoming a better person? Is that even like an option for, for the listeners out there? Yeah, I mean, because if you don't have the Holy Spirit, the Holy as believers, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God works in us to make us the people that God wants us to be. But for people who don't have the Holy Spirit helping us understand Scripture, it will usually be very confusing and convicting. And there's so many believers, but Bible, what? That's, that's so confusing because they don't have the Holy Spirit that's illuminating to them what God wants to teach them through Scripture. And so I'm sure maybe memorizing Scripture would be a good academic exercise, just like it would be, you know, memorizing Homer's Iliad, or just because memory is good for your brain. But really, scripture, memorizing Scripture is so powerful for the believer and the way that we can know God better and for we can hear what God wants to tell us. Yeah. So for those listeners who may be at a place, a crossroads in their life, and maybe they haven't fully committed their life to Jesus, maybe this is all new to them, um, you've made it seem really easy. You've pretty much laid it out that it's just a decision that one has to make. Is it really just that easy? If you submit your life to Christ and you truly love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it is that easy. There's absolutely nothing you can do to get in heaven. Heaven is not about doing good things. Good things don't get you into heaven. Bad things don't get you out of heaven. Heaven is not about what you do. It's about repenting and letting God change your heart and just being like, God, I'm a messed up sinner. Please, I submit my life to you. But when you're submitted to Christ and you truly love Christ, your entire life will be focused around Christ. And you will just, since you love him so much, you will want nothing more than to serve him. And you will want nothing more than to sacrifice your entire life out of love for him. So yes, it's easy, but it's not just, oh, I signed a card, there I got my check the box, I'm sealed for heaven. It's like, if you truly love Christ, you will see it in your entire life. Yeah, wow, that's inspirational. And that's really, that's the heart of Jesus. Like, he came to set us free and to show us his love, and he really makes it easy if we're willing to repent Mm -hmm. and really willing to live the life, the amazing life that he has for us. Um, But there is a cost, of course, in anything that requires dedication, you know. So thank you for sharing all that. I think... Um, you know, memorization and just get back to the memorization piece um, and biblical memorization. You have laid a lot out there. Um, how, how do we actually memorize? You know, f- from when we're really small, you know, we teach our little kids one of the first things is how to say the ABCs and it's a little jingle, you know. Um, there's jingles for pretty much anything and everything. Um, scientists and research have, have proven that um, music has a very positive influence in shaping the brain. Mm-hmm. That is actually, um, it integrates all parts of your brain and it involves all the cognitive abilities. So there's benefits. So, and I know from experience, I want to share a personal uh, testimony of how memorization to song is very powerful. Um, Rose has founded a company, Memorize by the Book, and it. And she'll get into more details later. I don't want to expand on that too much, but basically she puts scripture to song in a way that's very easy for kids to listen and memorize the, the material. And so um, I know, for instance, our little uh, seven-year-old she has memorized all of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Proverbs 31, James 1, 2, and 3, and Psalms 1. And she's done that in the last two years. And if I ask her at any given moment, yes, um, Adelina, read, you know, sing to us Matthew 5. She'll just rattle it off. And then she'll be able to actually tell you what she just said. So it's not just memorizing it's actually knowing and and understanding and comprehending so talking about methods of memorization rose i've seen it play out in our seven-year-old's life personally uh, but 
tell us a little bit more about the methods of memorization and what has worked for you and what you would encourage listeners uh, in doing to make memorization a little easier because it can get pretty um, daunting. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so it's interesting that the two parts of the brain that are associated with memory are the hippocampus and the frontal cortex. And the interesting thing about these is it's very easy to get information into these areas, but it's very difficult to recall and to pull it out. And so the thing that music does is it basically packages that information in the structure in a way that's all together. So when you just pull on it a little bit, it all comes out at the same time. So you don't have to pull all these, recall all these random things. You can just come in one consecutive tune. And so that, I think, is really just from more of a... um, scientific perspective of why the jingles and the songs really seems to be the most effective way to memorize. Um, like even, you know, in, even in college, trying to memorize all those big, complicated, fancy words for anatomy and physiology, if you just put them to a little tune of the word and the definition, the word and the definition, you can like cream any college rote memory test. Um, and yeah, there's been multiple studies done comparing uh, just the plain spoken word as helping people memorize versus music memorization, particularly in relation to speech-related diseases. And it very conclusively shows that music is so much more effective. And I can personally attest to that as well when my mom had glioblastoma multiform, which she had a brain tumor in the speech part of her brain. And so she could, you know, not very easily put together sentences. She couldn't really remember our names. And she communicated that she really wanted to memorize Proverbs chapter 31. And I'm like, Oh, this is very interesting now. How are we going to help you memorize Proverbs 31 because you can't remember our names? And so what we ended up doing is we ended up putting it to music. And so we would just walk around and we would sing this little song. And even with a pear-sized tumor in her speech part of her brain where she couldn't remember our names, just having it to a tune, she could recite all of Proverbs chapter 31. And so that's actually how um, God started me on this journey to starting this Bible book ministry. Um, is just through my mom and then that expanded, hey, if my mom can do this, I'm sure young children can do it. And so then we started doing that with children as well, helping them memorize books and chapters of scripture. And we had, you know, a little four-year-old memorize 50 verses in three months and the parents are like, whoa, that's, that's, oh my goodness, that's God's word in their hearts. And so amazing when you just hear on the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise when you hear a four or five, six or seven-year-old and they're saying the knowledge they don't even know it, but the knowledge they're saying is smarter than any PhD in the top, you know, schools anywhere. It's like the knowledge, that's the holy wisdom, pure word of the God of the universe who invented everything. And just to have that in their minds is just absolutely phenomenal. So. Wow. So if a four-year-old can do it... <laughs> And if someone medically, where a doctor says it's not possible, and they're doing it, that your mom did it, and that she memorized mm-hmm. something that seemed impossible, yes. right? You thought it was impossible. Mm-hmm. And probably a doctor would say it was impossible, but she did it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And that's the power of the Word. Yep, the Word of God. If you have, there's something about the Word of God that God will always, if you're a believer, He will always use that to bring verses to your mind just at the right moment, right when you think you forgot them, God will be like, hey, this is what you need right now. And so many times, just in my personal spiritual walk, God just brings the verses that he needs me to remember right right there, right to the tip of my tongue. I'm like, whoa, that's, there's something special about memorizing scripture. Absolutely. So for those who are really apprehensive, what would you say is the first step? Well, um, I would say pray and see if God is nudging you to memorize books of scripture. God commands us to meditate on his word day and night, and that's the best way for us to get to know him. And just get your heart right with God to just be able, as James says, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And so just get in a place where you're ready for God to change your life, because when God changes your life through his word, Sometimes it's not how you expect it, and sometimes it's kind of unpleasant, um, but it really is what's best for you. Yeah. Would you say start small for someone who's, say, really intimidated with the concept of memorizing? Oh, yeah. Or would you just say you have nothing to lose and just start on a scripture maybe that, you know, Psalm 1, for instance? Yeah. Yeah, really start with whatever you feel like um, would be best for me. I just like diving headlong, like, let's try to memorize a whole book. Let's go for it. Or you can start by, let's see if we can memorize these three or four verses. That's great. Um, Just whatever 
you're feeling comfortable with and want to go. But I think if you say, if you commit, like, I'm going to memorize this, I think you should really see if you can achieve that. And I'm sure that you can, because you just think of how many song lyrics you accidentally have memorized. It's like, why not do that with scripture? God invented music. Let's use that same music to, you know, um, help us memorize his word. It's like, it's like the sparkle glue on the sword. It's like, it, it kind of going back to that sword analogy, it's like, Sometimes picking up that sword and learning how to fight with that sort of spirit, the word of God, is sometimes difficult and sometimes it's slippery and slips out of your hand. And so almost like a tune, a catchy little funny cheesy kid song is like pink sparkle glue that <coughs> clamps your hands onto that and that helps you hold onto that sword and grasp it. So, Yeah, that's good. That's a great analogy. I love that. And I've seen it play out in what you have created. Not everyone's musical. So if they can't just go to your, your their harp like you do, Rose, <laughs> or go to their piano like you know you and your sister um, do and come up with these um, really catchy tunes, um, can you share a little bit about what you've done on creating this program that is pretty much an uh, open-and-go program that's accessible on the Internet and help help your listeners understand like a little bit about what you have put... Um, a lot of your efforts in these last two years that God has really put that on your heart to do and, and what it looks like today. Yeah, so God, when mom, my mom went to heaven, God was like, hey Rose, yo, you should help my believers memorize books of my word. And so by the book, if I were to sum it up in just a very short phrase, it would be we just do whatever God wants with all the excellence we got. And so um, we're a very small organization right now, and we just provide resources to help believers memorize books of God's word and understand what it means. And so right now we have, we're in the development phase of a kids program that um, goes step by step. So right now we kind of have two things going. We have a um, children's program, which has, you know, coloring pages, teaching pages. Basically, it's a world that you can explore with you know, there's a dragon, there's a well, there's a castle, there's a rocket ship, and each one has a different activity that helps you memorize scripture to music. So there's the music video, which just has a fun little song and a dance that helps you get that tune just stuck in your head. Then there's like a little dragon thing where it loops it and has a little, you know, dragon that squirts out. And then there's art, and then there's dancing, and then there's all these different things that you can do that's just fun. Your kid just plays around and they accidentally find themselves memorizing books and chapters of God's word, which is absolutely just such a blessing to see that. And then we're in the development phase of a adult version, which basically is optimized for the audio tracks. So you just push play and it'll loop it over and over, just little sections of God's word. And so you'll just memorize it really quickly. And so we're just seeing where God takes it and what God does with it. And I'm just really excited to see, just imagining if we had a Christian culture, if we made Christian culture a place where non-Christians can see us and where we love scripture so much, where it's a normal thing that we memorize books and chapters of God's word. Just imagine if we had just a culture where it was normal for, you know, all those gung-ho, yeah, I grew up in Sunday school, if they just happened to have gospel memorized and they had a couple epistles memorized, like, that would totally change the face of Christianity. Like, it's almost like in this time, we want to stop just worrying on what we're not spreading and start worrying about what we are spreading and see if we can spread God's word memorized books at a time. And then another thing we do, a summer internship. So if you have any college students who are interested in graphic design, programming, um, uh, cinematic arts or anything artistic or creative related, we have a summer internship where we develop content. And um, if you have a skill and would like to um, share that to help believers memorize books and chapters of the Bible, just let us know. And we're just here to figure out what God wants us to do and just doing it with all our might. And part of that is just walking through whatever doors he opens. Yeah. So, Rose, if someone wanted to access this information on the Internet, how would they find it? Yeah, so we have a site called ByTheBookTheBible.com. So, so ByTheBookTheBible.com. ByTheBookTheBible.com. Okay. Yes. And so if you God, if God's nudging your heart to memorize James with us this 2021, there's a little space where you can put, we're gathering a group of believers who will commit to hold each other accountable and just learn God's word through memorizing James with us. And then we have the child's, the kids program as well on there that you can sign up for. And 
um, that has a bunch of resources as well. Okay. Now, is it going to cost me a lot of money? Because, you know, especially during this time, not everyone can just have, you know, a lot of funds to put forth on something like this. So share a little bit about like what the cost is for people to understand. Yeah, so the kids one is the first month is free and then it's $5 a month. But if that's out of your financial range, just please let me know and I will happily um, give that to you for a way that it's affordable. I never want that to be a boundary for people to, you know, um, memorize God's word. But that helps us grow and expand and create more content to enable more, more scripture to be memorized. Okay, and what about the adult? And the adult one is completely free. Okay. So, so the adult version is a web app that you can just have on your phone. And the idea for that is you just push play and you s walk away and it'll just automatically just keep playing. You can select which scripture you want to be working on. And as you've completed that, then you can go to the next one and it should be very easy and hands off. Okay, so this is just incredible to me because I mean, you've walked us through historically the benefit of memorization and then you walked us through the benefits of biblically, why we should even memorize, what the Bible says is there waiting for us, all these gifts waiting for us. We just have to choose to open them up and apply them to our life. And then you also walked us through the power of knowing Jesus and the, the um, power of giving and committing our life to Jesus and the fruit um, that, that we can be for him, a fragrance of his life in us by memorizing his word. And, and so now you actually made memorization very easy. Um, you've, you've given me confidence in the last years that I've known you just seeing my my five six and seven year old um, over the years memorize things that seemed impossible and breaking it down in a way that it's not impossible so I guess our desire is for all of you to know that um, we believe that the power of memorization is obtainable for everyone Rose, thank you for being so open and sharing your heart today. It is obvious, very obvious, that you're very passionate about this. Um, you are probably one of the most passionate people that I know, personally know that loves the Word and has a heart for people to know that memorization is not just for the brilliant. It's not for a certain group of people. You want to break down any misconceptions and you want to make the word and memorizing it accessible to everyone. And I really respect that. And, and your passion is contagious. And I just, I just want to um, affirm that everything that you share tonight, I, I really thank you for that. And if someone wants to get more involved, um, you, you, shared your website earlier, but if someone wanted to reach out, what would be the next step in them connecting with you? Yeah, so if you're interested in memorizing, if you have a kid, you can absolutely sign up for the kid one, or you can put your email in the I'm interested in memorizing section, or you can email me at rosettebythebookthebible.com, and I would love to connect or answer any more questions that you might have. So, and then if you're interested, if you have a skill and would love to use your artistic abilities to um, serve Christ, please just let me know. I know, especially in this secular world, um, sometimes finding opportunities in the artistic fields that are God-honoring and actually forwarding His kingdom are, is sometimes difficult. So if God puts that on your heart, please do let me know, and I would just love to connect. For those of you who have been touched by what Rosa shared tonight, and maybe you're out there and you personally have not given your life to Jesus, we would love to hear from you. We would personally love to uh, pray with you or answer any questions or just encourage you on your walk of discovering who Jesus is. And even if that means showing you and directing you to a certain part of scripture about the character of Christ and who he is, um, or if you want clarification on something that maybe Rose had shared, um, please just reach out. We would love to hear from you um, because our heart is for you to know the fullness of the Jesus that we know, which is the biblical Jesus, the Messiah, the one that came to save and set us free and to redeem us. So we would love to hear from you. And most of all, we just pray that you are encouraged, that you are inspired with all from all that Rose shared tonight, and that you go on this journey with us in memorizing the word. Be like the ancient days where... We're not so dependent on the technology of today, but we're actually dependent on the word becoming our every moment 
just like eating and drinking, it becomes a necessity that we hunger for. So signing out for tonight. And Rose, thank you again. Yes, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.